0: I feel it in my bones hmm. we are enough no matter what people say we're enough and i'm here for you and i got you and so Ooh,
1: that's good a hundred percent i'm not lying when i say this my mission on earth is to inspire others i feel exactly the same way i love that you just said that this is philip van nostrand and you are listening to the epic freelance life podcast how to make more money and live an epic freelance life Okay, this is Phil Van Nostrand. We are back again in 2022 with the Epic Freelance Life podcast. I'm really excited to be talking with someone who I guess I'm lucky to consider a friend, but also someone that I've looked up to and, and admired from a little bit of a distance as well. So hi, Paco. Thank you for being on this podcast. Would you introduce yourself?
0: Hey, Phil, I am so excited to just hang out and chat with you. Um, all right, I'll, I will give you my introduction. My name yes. is Paco DeLeon. I am an author and an entrepreneur, and I have a company called the Hell Yeah Group. And that company really does two things. The first thing is what you are experiencing inside of your ears at this moment. I just I pontificate and I share my feelings <laughs> and yes. my thoughts and your
1: thought Everything
0: leader. I've learned from the practical sense about money, I share that through all of the channels. So I go on podcasts and I put out a weekly newsletter, an email newsletter, and I make content around finances. Um, And that's gone as far as writing a book called Finance for the People, which is out on February 1st and it's being published by Penguin Life and you can buy that wherever you buy books. And the other thing I do is I run a bookkeeping agency called Hell Yeah Bookkeeping. And we run the books and the accounting for creative businesses, mostly production companies, And marketing agencies because I'm based in Los Angeles and you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody who owns a production company. But also, those are my people. You know, they are artists who are finding a way to create art in a commercial world. And oftentimes, it's Nike saying, hey, could you make a cool short film so people will buy more shoes? And those are the kind of organizations that I work with. So that's that's what I do for work. Cool. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, uh, let, let me just pause you right there and then we'll do like second uh, introduction, maybe like what, whatever else you're thinking about your identity. Um, basically, to sum up what you do, it's a lot of just talk and interest about money stuff, right? Money for the people. Um, I, I have been subscribed to your newsletter for a few years now and it is easily the my only favorite newsletter that i that i read <laughs> that that i won't delete because i'm like oh there's some interesting articles in here and you always come com- compile every week this like fascinating roundup of sort of uh i don't know like what's happening with money these days right and like influencers and yeah. in money and all kinds yeah. of cool stuff yeah
0: i mean i spend um, a, an embarrassing amount of time just scouring the internet, like subscribing to a bunch of different newsletters, a bunch of different publications. And yeah. I've tried to find relevant articles that are worth sharing. And there could be everything from like, especially during 2022, when the pandemic was unfolding and the idle loans and the PPP loans were coming out. And, oh, yes. the, you know, when all of that was like changing and accountants and all of the finance folks were like, oh crap, the new legislation is dropping today at 75 pages. How can we digest this and translate it? So it's, pra- it's very practical in that sense. Yeah. But then I'll also drop an article where this woman is you know, writing a 3,000 word essay about how her mom's addiction and uh, her gambling addiction got her into debt and what that journey has been like for her. And it has nothing to do with money, has everything to do with money. And yeah. I'm so utterly fascinated with the subject of money and all of the ways that it intersects our lives from a practical sense, but also, you know, from an artistic sense, you know, it is, yep. it's in every, there's so many songs written about money and there's yes. so many ways that it's all about, you know, value and worth. And it's just such a fascinating, silly thing, money.
1: Well, I, I think the thing that I I love about your newsletter, which is called the nerd letter um, is you know, you just sort of said it like every single article is like, it just, it hooks something in my brain, you know, it's like, uh, What is this? Uh, A TikToker made $200,000 farting in jars. Here's how she did it. And you just linked to that Rolling Stone article. I saw that TikToker online, by the way. That's crazy. Um, I couldn't
0: stop laughing when I was reading that article. My wife was, I was like laying in bed reading that article. My wife was like, what are you, what are you giggling about? And it just made me, it brought me so much joy that I was like, no, this is part of my job is to sit here and reading this article about farts. I think the funniest part about that article was it was a, it was a legit interview. Like, you know, they were, it was a business interview and then, but she kept saying farts and farts and butts and farts. (laughs) And I was like, I am not above potty humor. This is amazing. so funny. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. She came across my For You page and I did like a short little deep dive into her whole page. I was like, is this for real? And then, but she's, she must be making bank right now. So, um, so I I noticed that you paused after I asked you to introduce yourself because I imagine you wanted to introduce yourself beyond what you do for a living.
0: I yeah, I mean,
1: because I I even saw. I think in the in the beginning of your book, or maybe in your media kit about the book, uh, you mentioned that you are a musician and an artist and have a wife and stuff. So what else (laughs) about you is interesting?
0: Yes, I am a musician. I am a degenerate musician. (laughs) Music is a, you know, she's a nasty habit and a a mistress that just takes hold of you and doesn't let you go. And that's why I'm a musician. I've been playing music when I was like, my first memory of music is sitting down at the piano and just kind of tinkering at like 10 years old. And then Uh, when I was 15 I was like I don't know guitar seems kind of cool so I had my dad teach me like a Neil Young song and then of course I had to learn Stairway to Heaven right away Hmm. Uh, and I just kind of been hooked ever since Um, I I actually just bought a drum set like uh, gosh six months ago or something like that it's literally for children it's a child's kit Uh, uh, okay (laughs) it's um, Questlove did a collab with Ludwig and it's this little kit called the pocket kit but um, cool there's, yeah it's awesome you should check out the videos because there's like grown men who are you know they buy it for like their daughter or their son and then they're doing test videos and they're like you know what this is actually a pretty good kit like for a quote-unquote kids kit so
1: that's funny uh,
0: i just love exploring creativity and in, in all different ways and the Ooh. book that i wrote has like 50 or 75 illustrations that i did and they're all oh i was gonna to...
1: ask you who yeah. so you did all of the illustrations in there i did yeah Okay, cool. Okay, we're gonna get to the book in a little bit, I promise. But I, I want to <laughs> save that to like the the glorious end.
0: Okay, great, um, great.
1: Or like maybe the glorious half half end of this podcast. Amazing. So I think. Um, but first, I had a question, and, and I'm, I want to predict the answer, but I might be wrong. I want to know which came first: was like the newsletter first, um, and then you created a bookkeeping agency because you realized so many people had more questions for you, or was the bookkeeping agency first? And and the newsletter kind of came out of building out the brand for that. My guess is that the newsletter came first, but I, I might be wrong.
0: I think the bookkeeping agency came first, but it was like mm. a secret. It wasn't something I was. I was like in the closet about running a bookkeeping agency, which is so weird to think about because it is so f- wildly successful now. Like, yeah, <laughs> I should have watered that plant like and gave it sun
1: from That's the beginning. Really but
0: you know, hindsight but, is twenty twenty. I mean.
1: But your newsletter has like how many... You have a, a massive mailing list, don't you?
0: It's all relative, Phil. It's all relative. I all think right. like well, yeah. 12,000 or
1: something. Oh, Okay, that's good. That's actually a good size. But that's the kind of mailing list where every time you send out a letter or like a news thing, you know, you could potentially get a new client, right?
0: It. it that's how it's been happening, which is yeah. it's, you know... When I first started the newsletter, it was for sure because... Okay, it was a couple of reasons. One, I was the annoying person who would send my friends and family unsolicited email links, like links to long-form journalism, you know? Like, my poor wife was just getting bombarded with, like, 5,000-word essays for shit she didn't give a fuck. Uh. Um, And I was like, I need to channel this energy in a productive way. I'm sure that there there are people who want this. I just don't know, you know, Hmm. how to do it. And, I, you know, for a while, I was, like, on Facebook just putting it on the timeline or the wall whatever it was called back then yeah and um it was a client who was like you should do a newsletter and I had an inkling that I should do a newsletter because I was when I went off on my own I started to learn about I was like how do I get clients this is crazy I'm just gonna walk around like Los Angeles and and like hope for the best there's got to be a better way and yeah. I started learning about content marketing and they would tell you know all of the gurus are like you know you have to put work your work out there so that people know, like, and trust you. And so I looked at all the different ways I could do this, right? There's like blogging, vlogging. Maybe that's all there was at the time. Newsletters and sure. different different format for newsletters and, of course, podcasting. Um, and I took to the roundup style of the newsletter where you, you know, you basically send out a link pack. And so at first I was just sending out a link pack and I would write one article Um, and I would write that article based on how many people annoyed me with the question, right? Like enough of my friends texted me and said, Hey Paco, should I set up an LLC or an S corp? If I wanted to scream at my friend, because I'm like, I'm tired of answering this question. That's when I decided to write a blog post. Um, And yeah, so I was doing the newsletter and now I get people who are reaching out on the bookkeeping end and they're like, hey, Paco, I've been a subscriber for like three years. I've been wanting to reach out to you and your team for bookkeeping, um, but it's never been the right time. And I think now is the right time. So uh, it's a long game for sure with a lot of this stuff with with business and the messaging and all that stuff. And that's what I'm starting to learn as I'm like seven years in.
1: Ooh, that's so young. You're like a little baby in this world.
0: Thank you, Uh, Phil. Okay, so so
1: so congratulations for having a freaking TED talk and a book within seven years of starting your company.
0: Yeah, Um, it's wild. I mean, wild.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I met.
0: Can we just tell everyone that I met you uh, at a conference in the. On the island, what island was the Grand Cayman Islands?
1: Uh, oh man, that was a just, long time it ago. Cayman Islands. It, it was. It was the Cayman. Yeah, it was Grand Cayman, and it was like a wedding conference. And so you were like the one, or maybe out of two speakers, who was non-wedding industry related. And they pulled you out of. I have no idea how they found you, but you just talked about finances to wedding pros. So
0: yeah, fun. and I just you know it's so funny that you're having me on this podcast to be like we're gonna talk about your epic freelance life, and I'm like Phil, like you should mm. just talk about your own experiences every episode. That you, yeah. <laughs> the fact that I met you for work on an amazing island is yes. hell yeah, you're you're living the dream, dude.
1: I love it. Well, I think that's um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll I'll talk about this in another episode for sure. But but I really really think that um, I think the my I don't know the the philosophy I'm gonna my legacy that I'm gonna leave to the world is that I truly think that work and life can be perfectly blended or almost perfectly blended so that like yes Paka was speaking and she was probably getting paid but also I made a friend and now we're on a podcast and this is kind of business but kind of pleasure and I don't think there needs to be a distinction you know
0: this is just pleasure for me I want everyone to know that
1: okay good it's all <laughs> business for me uh, um, so okay so. You got the newsletter, which is killing it, and then um, and you got to you have a lot of speaking opportunities, and you really are, I guess, what they would call a thought leader in like the young money world or something, or just the money world for millennials, probably. Is that accurate? Yeah,
0: I guess that is what they would call me. Yes.
1: Do Do you consider yourself a freelancer or like more an entrepreneur?
0: I consider myself a, a small business owner.
1: Yeah. Um, I realized in one of my interviews that like I was using the word freelance kind of pretty loosely, but generally I meant like someone who works for themselves.
0: Yeah. Um, The distinction I have between freelance and small business is freelancers tend to kind of be a one man show, one woman show, one person show. sure, And they have to wear probably all the hats, probably all the time. And they're still the ones in my mind trading
1: their time for money.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, not always time for money, but in a big way, yeah, time for money, even if you charge like a flat rate fee or project fee, you're still the one who has to do all the work. And I look at small business owners and entrepreneurs as people who are stepping back and understanding that there is a solution to a problem that can be created. And they're not necessarily the Hmm. people who provide the solution or make the solution, but they find all the players to either make the product or the service to solve that problem.
1: That's cool. I love that. I think, I think for me, I still sort of believe that almost most... Well, maybe not. I don't know. You might be different. I feel like a lot of people who do run small businesses start as freelance, right? Or they for have sure. like this little knack or this hobby or this thing that they're doing and then it grows and then they got to expand out. I, I do think my, my first book, when it gets published, will be called How to Live an Epic Freelance Life. But I already believe that my second book will be From Freelance to Boss because I think that that's like a really interesting growth portion of someone's career if they go from trading time for money into like managing other people or like giving themselves more freedom to work on their businesses instead of in them.
0: Yeah, it's like a, you know, once you that's definitely leveling up if you want to accept those next set of problems because exactly (laughs) at the end of the day, it's just all of life is this is going to sound negative, but it's, it's not meant to be negative all of life is just a string of problems that you have to deal with and there's sure, of course yeah. good stuff in life but that's the frame that i kind of use to make decisions it's like what what problems do i want to have do i want to have the problem of you know be, you know being the one who has to do all the client work and yeah. you know do i like that or do i want to have the problem of like my employee has a bad attitude or sure. you know like yeah, I would You're rather stop. you know. Yeah. Choose your choose your problems wisely, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. I love that. Ah, oh, that's like a whole. I could talk for hours about that. But <laughs> um, so okay, so my real question for you then is, how do, do you feel like you have freedom to kind of live life on your own terms, or are you have you just replicated like a nine to five sort of job in your own world?
0: I definitely feel like I have the option to kind of do whatever it is that I want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also, I definitely have a bit of the golden handcuffs syndrome where, you know, now that I'm getting momentum and now that people are starting to learn about me and what I have to offer and I'm sharing my thoughts to the world in different ways, there is, you know, you have to keep doing that in order to stay relevant. And that's a challenge in and of itself. But I think I've found ways to kind of manage that, you know. Um right now it's pure utter madness and chaos because <laughs> yes. I'm launching a book and it's tax season. So what a what a cute little cute little experiment that I'm running. Oh yeah, you really did that life. to yourself. I did, yeah. But um <laughs> for the most part, you know, I I kind of do I, I live the life that I want to live. I'm attached to the city I live in Los Angeles a lot more than I want to, but that's because Mm. my wife is an interior designer and her work is in Los Angeles. And she recently, she started her business about 10 years ago with a partner. Her partner left, gosh, maybe two or three years ago. And so, mm-hmm. in a sense, we're rebuilding. She's rebuilding how it runs and her team and all that stuff. And COVID was you know, a chance for her to take a break as well. So, so, I do feel a little bit more grounded than I would like to be at the moment. But um, definitely, um, always making progress.
1: I think I remember. Can I ask you how old you are again? 36. Okay, cool. That's a good age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I turned 40, so...
0: That's a good age. Uh, 36
1: sounds great. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because I'm wondering if you're like slowly just turning into a boring adult or if you've still got some like (laughs) or if you still got some kick in you. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I do have like old man tendencies like every once in a while, like a cute old man will pop up on the TV Mm -hmm. And he'll be wearing like a cute sweater and like funny socks and like a flat hat. And my wife will be like, that's you. So yeah, maybe I am becoming, (laughs) I mean, I'm, I wrote a book that that's, there's nothing sexy about what that requires and what that entails. Mm. You have to put your ass on a chair for six hours and tickle the keys and hope that it works out and then read your shit over again and then draft it like that there's nothing sexy about that and not you know what i'm not playing any live shows anymore like my band is still alive but it's definitely not thriving so yeah i think i'm becoming a boring old person no so thank
1: wait you. what's thank the, you. you you're welcome just wanted to clarify <laughs> that for you on this show um wait what's the name of your band i didn't Mr. realize you had an active band
0: active is like a very generous sure it's it's between active and dormant. Um, <laughs>
1: What's the name again?
0: Incubating, Mister Fantasy.
1: Okay, cool. Maybe you know. It's funny. It's reminding me now that I knew this about you a long time ago, but I totally forgot. Mister Fantasy.
0: Mister Fantasy. I'm not like amplifying that side of me to the public, so that's sure. also probably why.
1: Yeah, that's okay. We only have as much energy as you know we can in a day. Totally. Um, you have a TEDx or just a a TED talk, I guess, uh, called The Secret to Being a Successful Freelancer. Can you sum that up in like a sentence or two or under a minute?
0: Mm, That's a great question.
1: Because this is all about being epic freelancers. And I think that there's like a lot of, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious what, what your thoughts are about that.
0: Okay, so that talk was really about how to position yourself and think about pricing and the value that you create as a freelancer. Mm. uh in the market that you are existing in so that you can win the kind of clients that you want to win and, or work with the kind of clients that you want to work with and so there's very practical aspects like understanding how to communicate effectively aka market um mm-hmm. and then other practical aspects like um how to how to think about pricing from a value perspective but also from an overhead perspective so it was pretty nitty gritty i would I like say that. okay when it- when it comes to the the content of that talk,
1: people have to check it out. I my my secret is I always I, I love I heard this somewhere. Someone said like if if you're not shaking in your boots when you say when you quote your price, like you're you're too low.
0: <laughs> I love that absolutely. Yeah, you and so for be me, in what terror, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I do, but every time I I someone asks me for a job because I don't have hourly pricing or whatever, I just charge for the day or whatever it is. Someone asked me for headshots, and and my first inclination is like oh, I could do it for two thousand, and then and then I force myself to be like say three, and so I say a number that's higher than I than like my first instinct. I always push it for myself because I think if I'm if I'm saying something that's comfortable, I'm definitely there's like some weird psychology there, but I'm definitely shortchanging myself for sure.
0: I love that. I d- I definitely try to replicate that in a lot of areas in my life for sure. Like mm. I love to feel myself afraid and then calm my nervous system and then move calmly through that fear. Like I have been an avid practitioner of Muay Thai, which is, um, Thai kickboxing. And so I'll spar with people of all different sizes and weights and stuff. And nobody's like, you know, trying to kill me. It's all kind of friendly, you know, but I'm a lot, I'm a pretty small person. I'm five Five, I stand five even, and you know, uh-huh. anywhere between 115 and 120 pounds. And so, oh, yeah. oftentimes, just an average human is bigger than me. So, you know, even if they're being nice, just the way that physics works, a, a kick or a punch is, if it connects, is, is not going to be pleasant. And so, <laughs> yes. the thing that sparring has taught me is you have to move forward, you cannot move back because if you move back you're on your heels you're fucked i mean you can move mm. backwards that is definitely a strategy but my coach you know the gym that i've been going to the the philosophy there is always be moving forward and so wow. you're just constantly go- going into the fear zone right the strike zone but then mm-hmm. the coach is like you know if you're moving back you know if you're not in the fight you're not in the fight and that fucked me up when he said that I'm like oh shit if I'm not in the fight then I'm not in the fight right if you're out of striking range like you may as well sit Mm -hmm. down and not even play the game and so Mm. yeah I love that Mm. I love like areas where you can practice fear in kind of a what's the word I'm looking for uh I it's weird to say that it practicing it's it's
1: like exposure therapy is what you're describing almost exactly
0: that's exactly it
1: yep yeah that's it I get it and that's why it's like, it's important to keep pushing ourselves as entrepreneurs uh, into the fear zone, maybe even like starting to write a book or whatever it is. Um,
0: fear but, should be a sign to kind of go towards it when you're like. Yeah,
1: 100%. I mean, when you're
0: safe, you know what I mean? Like when you're writing, a, like you said, writing a book and and stretching out as yeah. a as a creative person.
1: Well, I'm just, jo- okay, we're going to talk about the book now. So. I'm jealous of this because I've had my book idea, How to Live an Epic Freelance Life, for like five or six years. Um, I realized, you know, I started this like just slow process with no big agenda or timeline, but um, just loose writing and all this stuff. But I'm guessing for you, someone approached you with a book deal. Am I wrong?
0: Um, Not entirely, but the story of how I got the book deal, the story of how this book came into existence is a very charmed story.
1: Oh, okay. I'm ready.
0: It just felt very frictionless. And I know that's not the story for a lot of folks who Mm -hmm. want to write a book. And so that's why I say it's very charmed. I (laughs) started writing the newsletter, I think in 2016 or maybe 2015. And in 2018, a woman by the name of Jenny Stevens At uh, Sterling Lord Literistic emailed me. She just like filled out my contact form and she's like, Hey Paco, I've been reading your stuff. I think you would write a, you know, I think your perspective is really uh, something that would resonate with a lot of people. Do you have any interest in writing a book? And at that time I had just read or I would maybe not just read at that time. I knew that I wanted to write a book, but I didn't really know what it was going to be all about. I knew it would be about finances and I knew how I wanted to make people feel. So I came across this book. Let's just step, take a step back. I came across this book called how to be one, your illustrated guide to being one with the universe. And it is by this illustrator, this author named Yumi Sakagawa. I think that's how you say her name. And I apologize if it's not. Um, and she, Wrote this book and, you know, she's an illustrator, so it's mostly illustrated and you can read this book, you know, in 15 minutes, you can, you can plow through it. And she's talking to the reader about meditation and, you know, taking deep breaths and talking to your demons and, or inviting them to tea rather is what she said, and planting Mm. the seeds of your intentions. And she was talking about all these very spiritual things and these ways of being, Where you can interact with the world in a way that feels, you know, very, you can, you can reach that oneness, which is something I'm constantly chasing after. But the way that she made me feel when I closed the book or as I was going through the book, she made me feel like, wow, you can do this. You can write a book about a subject where I think, oh, only a certain kind of a person can talk about this subject in a certain kind of way but she showed me that that's not true. And the way that I felt, I felt just like my mind was blown and I felt like there was infinite possibilities. And I knew that that is how I want people to feel about my book. Re- I don't know what it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be about money, but I, that's how I want them to feel. And so hey. I got on the phone, I got on the phone with Jenny Stevens, my, my agent, and I tried, you know, I tried to explain to her that's what I want people to feel. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. That sounds great. Let's like get down to brass tacks. She was like, she was basically like, you know, she, the first person who asked me out on a date asked me to marry them, right? When you when you sign with an agent, and yeah. I was like, yeah, let's get married. You seem like a great woman. Let's get married. So uh-huh. I signed with Jenny, and she sends me a couple of book proposals, and she's like teaching me about how the industry works. You know, first mm-hmm. you're going to write a proposal, then I'm going to pitch it to some publishers. They're going to bid, and then you accept, and then you write the book, right? Mm-hmm. And so she sends me like four or five examples, and I start to write my proposal. And I'm thinking about Yumi's book, and I'm like, okay, it's going to be there's going to be illustrations. It's going to be about finances. I'm going to mm. be my full one thousand percent weird self in this book, and I'm going to make people feel like they can do it, like there's possibility, and I'm going to shift their perspective, and I'm going to teach them things through this book. Yeah. So I sit down and write this. I try to write this proposal, and I'm like struggling. It's like three months past due at this point, and I think to myself. Something's wrong. Something's wrong inside of me because I, I'm i a doer and I can't do this. Hmm. And so I was introduced to this coach because I did the speaking thing and she was there. And I reached out to this coach and I said, hey, I'm really struggling right now with writing a 40 or 50 page proposal. And I don't struggle with writing like I publish a newsletter every week. Something's wrong and I need your help and I sat, I I thought she was going to like set a timer and like watch me write and that is not uh. what we did. She <laughs> yeah. um her name is Kristen Sargent. She is, was formerly a psychotherapist that got into coaching and she, Amazing. Yeah, so she taught me about she taught me how to use all these tools to to face my fears and one of the heavy big things we did was this thing called shadow work. And the shadow self is this Jungian, Carl Jung. The oh, yeah. I do, I do shadow
1: work. I'm in a men's group and we talk about this like weekly. It's beautiful. Amazing.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so I needed to face my shadow. I needed to integrate her into my life and love her and apologize. So I did all that. Then the proposal flew out of me after that. And then Wow. But wait, wait yeah. sorry.
1: Can you just uh, say that a little slower, what you did? Because yes. that was, I feel like there was a lot packed into that short sentence.
0: Yeah. So I did, I did shadow work with, with Kristen and yeah. I faced myself and I really like what, we what did part
1: of yourself, do, do you call that like a, the rejected, like your shadow beliefs or something or what were you going to say?
0: Yeah. The parts of myself that I was rejecting. All oh. of
1: the,
0: for me, the biggest theme of my life that I've had to learn how to integrate is I am not enough. I just, see. I I am fundamentally flawed. And I'm just not enough. And everything I do is to prove to people that I can be enough. And Got it. And so she helped me find that little girl inside of me that, mm. that wrote that story and to go to her. And this is, sounds wild, but I'm glad that you know what this no, is. No, I know it's exactly. Yeah.
1: Mine is like I'm not special or I'm not lovable. So mm. I get it. But yeah. so, so you went to your little girl
0: yeah, and I told her yeah. I'm sorry. i ever I, I ever abandoned you, and your feelings are valid. And I told her we're gonna we're gonna be in the public eye because of this. I feel it in my bones. Mm. and I'll never we are enough. No matter what people say, we're enough. And I'm here for you, and I got you. And so Ooh, that, that's good. yeah. so I had to, it's wild that this it, this is why I love entrepreneurship though, is because you face yourself. you if you want to take things to the next level, you have to figure out, what's going on with you and how you can exactly. work through some of these, this gnarliness that we're, you know, that happens to us. Um, okay. So I write the proposal um, and Jenny is like, I'm going to send it to like 30 publishers and imprints. Mm-hmm. Um, and imprints are like, you know, like baby labels within a big label. And I get on like 11 calls at the top of 2020. And um, I loved um, Emily Wunderlich who's my editor I loved my conversation with her I knew she got it she was like it's funny because she was excited but not too excited and I really liked that about her oh, yeah. and she was super smart I was like this woman will make me not look like an idiot and that's very important
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, so I think like eight publishers started bidding and then you know Emily was my penguin and Emily were my first choice and they mm. came out on top and You know, we went through all the legal stuff. And by February 2020, I had a book deal.
1: Ah, it's so crazy. And then so you and I were talking about this before, but basically your book deal happened February 2020. And then a month later, the pandemic happened. And you all of a sudden just had this like perfectly built-in structure to write a book with like minimal distractions. Yes,
0: I was put in time out to write the thing. And yeah. It's a privilege to be able to say that, you know, I feel like such an asshole too. Like, what'd you guys do during lockdown? I fucking (laughs) wrote a book, you know, but...
1: (laughs) Uh, It's so good. I mean... I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. You said earlier it wasn't sexy, but I think it is the... Like, everything you're describing is so sexy to me. Like, you got Penguin, the the top three of... You know, the top one of the top three publishing agencies. Yeah. You're going to be... Like I know for a fact when I walk through the airports in the next few months that I will oh. see your book there and I will be Thank so you. excited. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I f- um, I feel like yeah, I feel like it's gonna It's going to matter. It's going to be
1: relevant. I really do feel it. Yeah, And so I was also telling, because you sent me like a little sneak preview copy and and I was reading through the introduction of your book and it reminded me, I'm so curious if any of my listeners even know this book, but it reminded me of the finance book that changed my life, which was I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Um, And it's his book. He calls it like terrible title, great book. Um, (laughs) So I Will Teach You To Be Rich is just sort of like it was like back then literally 15 or 20 years ago a book for millennials on how to sort of approach finances and do slow wealth basically that's it no no gimmicks no nothing just here's how you deal with credit card debt here's how you like start to save here's how you budget or whatever and as I was looking through your first few chapters I was like oh my god I remember doing that in Ramit's book and I would meet weekly with my friend and we would we would discuss the last chapter we read and that's when I started my Roth IRA was after reading his book that's <laughs> when I vowed to kill my debt by 30 um that's when i i started like going on mint and just tracking my savings over a couple months and realizing how much i spent and then created budgets around that but but it sounds like you do all of that but maybe better
0: <laughs> wow that is a that is quite a compliment because reeves yeah. is like personal finance royalty like he really paved the way for for a lot of folks to be sharing their knowledge and their perspective in what the publishing world calls a very voicey way. And
1: yeah. yeah, I,
0: I, I am flattered to be in such great company. I love the fact, it. The fact that you think of, of, of him when you, when you look at my yeah. is
1: amazing. You're going to be, I, I know you're going to be it for the next generation. And I remember even like reading his, um, in his intro, he had this sentence that has always stuck with me and I, and you have something similar, but, um, his sentence was, "This isn't your grandmother's finance book bitches I, like that was basically <laughs> his comment, <laughs> and I was I like, that's it. so sassy but <laughs> really but you is. had something like uh you said the word fuck in there in like the first first couple pages, and I was like, Oh, she's sassy too. I like it
0: you gotta give you gotta let them know up front, you know that you're gonna there's gonna be a few f bombs like here's the funny thing before I turned in my like final manuscript, mm-hmm. I just controlled f the whole document and like typed in shit and fuck and like tried to like look at all of the, I wanted to make sure oh. <laughs> that I was using the curse words. Okay. You know, in the right way, like when you, when you need that hard, kuh, you know, you, I didn't want to overdo it. So I want all the people listening to know I was very um, thoughtful and, about. And were something.
1: they appropriate?
0: I think so. Yeah. They really, you know, sometimes you just fuck, you, you can't say something better than what that, what, how fuck makes you feel. You know what I mean?
1: That's so funny. Um, I appreciate that. So, okay, so I have a recommendation for you. Take it or leave it, And then okay. I have a question for you about the book afterwards. Um I remember I did an interview with Dory Clark. Uh, who wrote The Long Game and a few other books. And she basically, her her approach to her last couple books after she published them was instead of going on a book tour, which is kind of glamorous but old school, she she set up like her own podcast tour, basically. Yeah. And from the comfort of her home, she, her goal was to do 200 interviews uh, the year that her wow. book came out, uh, talking about the book, um, or 200 podcast interviews. And she did it which is basically like a couple a week. Right. And so um, now I think she's like a little more intentional about it. She does podcast interviews all day on Friday or Thursdays or whatever. But um, I just love that idea. And I want to make sure I'm sure you've thought about it. But but I love this idea of a podcast tour instead of a book tour. And you reach so many more people that way.
0: Yes, I'm I'm definitely interested in spreading the word through podcasting. And I mean, I've got some stuff lined up, but yeah. Uh, I think I don't have 200. That, that's what a wild thing to shoot for. But yeah, I I, I, I'm definitely taking your suggestion. But I also want to say that yes. I'm working on creating kind of like, I guess you would call it a pop-up museum. Um, one of my best friends um, is an exhibit designer. She's done really incredible work, uh, like the RBG exhibit that's traveling the country and um wow. she's done okay. yeah like a Paul Simon exhibit at the Skirball she's just okay. brilliant the way that she yeah. conceptualizes data and makes it interactive and it always has some kind of not always but generally has like a social justice bend to it where it's like wow. yes it's good to be here it's good to interact this is really fun but also like okay like let's do our part and and make sure that we're you know making a change in some so way you're going to do something form. artistic Yes. So we're yeah. going to take some of these concepts in the book or themes in the book and we're going to create an embodied experience. And my hope will oh probably gosh. do it in Los Angeles first. And then my hope is that or the way that we're going to build it is we're going to build it so everything can be packed up and just put into, I don't know, I guess a truck or something like that. She'll figure those logistics out and so that it can travel around (laughs) the country and so that we can do this pop-up kind of museum where it's all about personal finance it's all about the themes in the book we're gonna we're not going to shy away from inequality we're not going to shy away from you know what people are actually struggling struggling with but we're also not going to shy away from the fact that we have to find our agency in this and so that's something that i don't think other books especially in the personal finance world have done and um my goal with that is to reach people who wouldn't normally just pick up the book, right? Like it's to reach Mm. maybe younger generation or folks who are just like, I don't know if reading a book is for me, if they can interact with the material on a physical plane and they can internalize that, then maybe just maybe they'll then pick up the book and have a relate, you know, that will be their gateway to changing their relationship with money.
1: That's incredible, Paco. I never have even, yeah, that's brilliant on so many levels. Is, I'm lucky to be uh, surrounded
0: by brilliant friends.
1: I know it sounds like you have really good connections in high places. <laughs> um I are you going to partner with with like a a larger corporation to kind of sponsor something like that like Mint or QuickBooks or whatever or are you just going like solo with it?
0: Phil, you are brilliant. This is I am looking for a presenting sponsor. Okay. So anybody out there who works for Any organization that you think this would be good for, I I would love Chase or PayPal. I think I think that either of those. Oh yeah, Venmo or or
1: Cash App or some of those guys who are kind of at the front of like young finance.
0: Exactly. Um, Yeah, I think this is a cool. I mean, this is a really cool way to to talk about. I mean, I don't think it's ever been done before. So, in fact, (laughs) I know it's never been done before. That's why I want to do it.
1: (laughs) That's so interesting. I love this. I know somebody who works at Republic.io, which is like you know what that is? Like social justice investing?
0: No, I've never um, heard of that platform. All right.
1: Do, I, I'm going to think about this and, and talk around a little bit because that would be really cool. I, I know what you're looking for now. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, yeah, best.
1: because there has to be some like corporate. It doesn't have to be, but I, I get why like the Van Gogh Museum is so popular. It's probably backed by some like hidden you know, right. agency who's bound to make a lot of money out of it.
0: Right, and it would just be easy to have one presenting sponsor. You know that would yeah. just make our lives easier.
1: Yeah, and it may, it's a win for everybody, right? Exactly, because um, they can at least like put you up in the hotel, or like help set it up, or get you in interesting locations, and then nothing else market it really well. Exactly. Okay. Cool. So, what is um, like? What are your hopes and dreams for this book in the next few years, or your life even after this book comes out?
0: Oh wow! How much time do you have, Phil?
1: just uh well we're we're at 40 minutes i think in the next five to ten minutes we should wrap it up but but yeah tell me tell me short version yeah
0: um my hope is that this book changes people's lives that it impacts them and gives them a new perspective on how they're interacting with money Uh, for people who need that wake-up call i want it to be their wake-up call and for people who just need like a non-judgmental voice whispering into their ears as they read this book at night it's also that i really mm. want to make a contribution to society and i hope that you know the people that need this book get that book that's my biggest dream for this
1: that's your um, biggest dream i feel like that's like the the almost expected dream i mean Sorry, I'm, I'm gonna call you out on this because i because you, you don't have hopes of being on like ellen or something and talking about this or like
0: yeah I know, sure I, I would love to about be on oprah life.
1: Okay. See, there we go.
0: I don't don't, a movie about my life. um,
1: I don't know. I'm just saying, like that. That's like the kind of the scary, weird dream.
0: No, I want to be able to make weird art with my friends. That's what I want to do. I have ideas Mm. of making like a kind of a weird television show that's like kind of sketch comedy, dystopian, where we talk about these concepts of finance and economics, but we do it through like a, a a way of like storytelling and through comedy, kind of like I know Chappelle is perhaps persona non grata to some people, but the way that he mm-hmm. started, the way he talked about racism through Chappelle's show, I want to talk about money through a show that I want to call Weird Finance. And cool. if this book can allow me to raise my profile and uh, pitch that show and get it bought, that's probably one of the wildest dreams. Of course, I want to talk yes. to Oprah. Who doesn't want to talk to Oprah? Okay, She's yes, like yes. The coolest is great your coolest auntie who is literally changing the world and helping people. And that's what I'm all about. I want to, I want to make a dent, even if it's a tiny dent, I want to make a dent and I want to help people. I know I'm here to inspire. That's the purpose of my life. Mm. And so I need to let that unfold.
1: Paco, a hundred percent. I'm not lying. When I say this, my mission on earth is to inspire others. I feel exactly the same way. I love that you just said that.
0: I love that. You know that that's what you're here for, Phil.
1: Yeah, truly truly. That it shows up in my photography, it's why I want to write that book, epic freelance life. But yeah, every conversation it always feels like that ends up being the result, right? Is that yeah. like someone's inspired a little bit. That's so good. I love this.
0: And I want to travel um, the world. That's what I want
1: to do. All right, there we go. Now now we're talking about the epic freelance life. Yes. Um do you you must have clients who are not in Los Angeles, but everything you do is remote now, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, we have clients in New York and smattered about the country. And I'm trying to think yeah. if we have any international. We have one international client as well.
1: I mean, your life is designed. You could travel all the time, anytime. I feel like it's so easy to sort of translate what you do to anywhere. Not not so much the interior design stuff, I guess, with your wife. But,
0: yeah, but what you're definitely. doing seems
1: like, yeah, you could kind of just pack up and, and go and just finish tax season from like the beaches of Mexico or whatever.
0: Definitely. My wife and I talk about it a lot. Like, what do we, you know, what do we want our lives to look like? And it would be Mm -hmm. nice to take summers off and travel all summer or a big chunk of the summer and then travel at the end of the year, take a big Mm. chunk off at the end of the year. And for now, since I'm still pretty young and I feel like my, my star is only starting to rise, I feel like I need to really, I need to work. Like the things that I want to come outside of my brain and my soul, I want to put them into the world. And, I, and that's going to require, you know, being a bit disciplined about being creative. And I'm totally fine with that in the short term. But, you know, in the long term, I kind of just want to putz around and learn backgammon and, I don't know, <laughs> play music with my friends and make weird art.
1: Uh, maybe here's a fun final question. How is your wife kind of supporting or contributing for this whole book launch process?
0: I'm glad you asked, Phil. In, in in addition to interior design, my wife also does events. And mm. so tonight, actually, we're having a launch party for the book. And we're having it Ooh. at my friend's space called the Unique Space in the Arts District in downtown LA. And it's going to be epic. It's going to be insane. And I'm like nervous. I'm actually nervous that it's going to be so extra because my wife is like, <sighs> you know she does, you 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 get it because yeah. you come from the wedding world and you know she's done weddings where there's like camels and shit like oh, that yeah. and,
1: you know what i yeah, mean yeah. so her Yeah so her, she's going big
0: Yeah her <laughs> idea of like a small party for 90 people is like pretty different than i think most people's idea of that so i know it's uh-huh. going to be amazing i know folks are going to have a really great time and energetically i really need this party to celebrate this huge milestone to thank my community Mm. and to show myself that I'm worth it
1: yes we're ending it right there thank you Paco you're so awesome
0: thank you dude